Can we thank God for moving before us, guys? You know, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, God moves all the time. It's just a question of whether we see him. But he moves all the time. He's moving in your life right now. That's why you're a church, because God has brought you to this place. And, and I want to welcome all of those of you who are online. Um, in-house crowd, can you put your hands together for those who are online? Thank you for joining us. Very cool. Uh, very cool. We want to say hello to people in Bangladesh. I don't know if we have any in Bangladesh, but one day we might. So <laughs> that's good to be at church, guys. You never know. We have people all across the nation watching and, and across the country watching. watching. Hey, so last week um, we had a, just a great time, and I just want to, I'm, I'm still on a little bit of an Easter hangover. Um, you know, there was a lot of good things that happened, but we had uh, nine consecutive days of uh, 11 services. How many of you were like at every service during those nine days? That's a lot. You were at 11 services, nine days. Uh, how many of you attended every single service of Holy Week, all five days? How many of you did that? Yeah, quite a few of you. And uh, we had uh, a total of, uh, of, uh, let me just look at this number here. With all the Holy Week and Easter weekend, we had 1,761 people um, over those periods. <laughs> Hear the message of Jesus Christ. You know what excites me, guys, is um, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. And, and there's things that happen in our life that God kind of motivates us or uses to motivate us to go to church. And we're like, man, I don't have my life together. I'm going through this problem. I'm going through this trouble. I think I need God. And God can use circumstances. And I'm just excited about how the Lord has moved. We baptized 12 people over Easter weekend. And that was so exciting. Hey, you know what happened at the, after the, let's see, last Sunday at the 9 o'clock service, I'm going to let you into my prayer life a little bit. So um, every single service, all three services on Easter weekend, we, uh, we had open baptisms. We said, anybody who wants to get dunked. You can come forward. If you've received Jesus, you don't have to sign up. You can come forward. So the six o'clock service, we had zero people, spontaneous people come forward. We had people who were planned. And then at the nine o'clock service the next morning, we had zero people show up. So I was in my office in between the services and I got on my knees and I said, Lord, would you give us at least one? Would you give us just one? I mean, this is inside the life of a pastor right now, I'm sharing with you guys. You know, I, I, this means nothing without the spirit and presence of God, guys. This means nothing. I want the blessing of God and the anointing of God. So I was in my office and I prayed, Lord, would you just give us one spontaneous one, one unplanned? Would you give us just one? So I preached my heart out at the 11 o'clock, just leave it all out on the court. And, and then I'm, uh, we dunk them and, and, uh, and we were done. And then Pastor Jeremy said, we have one more getting ready in the bathroom right now. And then she was coming. And nobody knew my prayer. When I saw, uh, let's see, I forget how many we had. I think we had three or four unplanned. The first one I saw, I just about wept, guys. Have you ever had a keen sense like God is real and he has heard my prayer. Have you ever had that moment? And for me, that's what it was. It's like, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And then I thought, why didn't I ask for more like every service? What was up with that? What? I took so long to ask for that. What's up with that? Why didn't I strike the ground 10 times? You know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, but I was so grateful, grateful, grateful. He's risen. Hey, so next weekend, we are celebrating our 20 year anniversary. So super excited. If you're just joining Thorn Creek Church, this is a really cool train to be on. It's really exciting. And we want you to celebrate right along with us. You, those of you who are new, you know who I'm talking to, you're going to help us because some of us have been here for a long time and some of us are a little bit tired. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to come with some fresh strength and the Lord's going to use you and you're going to motivate us. That's what's going to happen. It's like our young adults that are hanging around. I love hanging around with our young adults because I just feel like we're in skinny jeans and doing some crazy stuff and, <laughs> and I, just, <laughs> I just feel younger. So you're going to help us. Uh, well, let's pray, guys. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and I want to lift up some, some heavy hearts, Lord. I know there's some people who are going through tough times, um, stuff that doesn't make sense on this side of heaven. I pray for you to comfort those people, Lord. I'm thinking about my brother who just lost his, his daughter. 
The father had to bury his daughter and is in the process of doing that, God. And, and God, I pray that you are with that dad and his family as they are working through this tragedy. Um, I'm thinking about people who are sick, people who are, are uh, ill. I pray for your healing touch, Jesus. You're our doctor, and you can do way more than any doctor on this earth. So we just ask for you to miraculously heal. Do that, Lord. I pray for our people who are going through financial hard times, God. We know you are the great provider, and I pray that you minister to them, Lord, and you provide for them, God. You know, Lord, I know thousands of dollars are pennies in your, in your mind, in your eyes. So, Lord, just make up and take care of them, Lord. I pray for the person who's in chronic pain. Be with them, Lord. Heal them. The person is about to go through surgery this week, Lord. Be with my brother who's going through surgery this Friday night or this Friday morning. Would you be with him as he's facing that? I pray for other people who are going through tough times, God, and maybe it's a broken heart or, or a, a relationship issue or whatever it is, God. I pray that you just move here, Lord. We, we just need you, God, in a bad way. And bless this message. I've... Uh, I've just listened to you, Lord, and I've changed direction. So bless this message, I pray. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. I was supposed to be preaching something else today. And the Lord got a hold of me and said, Reuben, I want you to preach about this instead. So I totally pivoted. And that other message maybe will come out one day. But the Lord has talked, uh, just stirred my heart about this message. So, so uh, on Monday after Easter, we... Uh, we got together, we get together every Monday, and we're wiped out, the staff. We're just like, like a pancake. We're just flattened out from spending all of our energy and time, and we're pretty, pretty wasted. And so on Monday, I was getting together, and, and uh, do, you ever, do you have a group of people that uh, you feel so safe with them that like you're a little bit unhinged? You know what I'm talking about? You say some things and you're okay. You don't even think about it because of the group that you're in. Like right now, while I'm up here speaking, I got to think about what I'm saying to a certain extent. But are you with ever with a group of people and they're just your homies or your brothers or your sisters? You know what I'm talking about? And you're just okay letting it go. Because, you know, this is a safe crowd. You don't have those relationships. Uh, the staff is like that for me. So one of them, um, one of our staff members, I was giving free relationship advice. And I was in a little bit of a weird mood. So I'll just preface it like that. And I was a little bit of a weird mood. And I was telling them, look, don't ever keep score. Um, and there was a bunch of guys. And Rachel was the only woman at the time. Uh, the other ladies weren't around. So uh, I kind of took advantage of that situation. And I said, <laughs> I said don't, ever, don't ever keep score. Because the woman is always going to lose. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Pastor Nick say that once, and I didn't think that was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just was totally having fun with Rachel. And she flipped me off and started cussing and started doing all that. And I'm like, hey, 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 hey. No, she didn't do any of that. She, her mouth just dropped like she could. I said, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. The guy, the, the woman's always right. All right. All right. Let's just get that straight. Right. Okay, so well, let's keep it. <laughs> oh my goodness. But have you ever said something? See, this is not a men's retreat. I got to be careful. <laughs> have you ever said something that you just know you shouldn't have said? You know, like you're like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. And I was wrong. And I was. So the rest of the time, like the rest of the day, I'm like, like Rachel, please forgive me. I'm like, I'm like that. I'm so sorry. She's laughing it off. And she's, oh, no, she knows my heart. I'm grateful she knows my heart. And everybody knows my heart. You know, you get to know me a little bit. But uh, anyway, so, so I, I just felt like that. And I thought, gosh, what would it have felt like for Simon Peter? This is a guy who uh, followed Jesus um, for, for the three years of the ministry of Jesus. And this is a guy who witnessed all these miracles and this is a guy, he was a fisherman. He was the kind of guy that, that talked first, thought second kind of guy. And he was a guy who said, you know what? Um, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. You know what? I'm never going to deny you. You know what? I'm, I'm just always going to be there for you. I'm always going to have your back, Jesus. And I'm always going to, you know, he was just that guy. And the, the other disciples kind of, kind of looked at him in some, some ways as a, as a leader. And, and that's just the way he, he, he was. But then... Jesus uh, tells him one day that, and we're going to read this in a little bit, but he tells him that Satan 
wants to test him or sift him like wheat. And uh, Peter, of course, is like, no, that ain't going to happen to me. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And you know how many times he said, you're going to deny me? How many times? Three times. You know the story. He says, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no way. You got the wrong address. Not me. Not me. I mean, have you been there before where you like somebody says something and you're like, you don't know me. I won't ever do that. That was Peter. So Peter's like thinking like, there's just no way. And, and, and Jesus gives him a heads up that this is going to happen. And, and, and next thing you know, um, Jesus is arrested and he goes to trial. And, and sure enough, the first time, the first situation, there's a fire going on and and Peter, I mean, everybody has abandoned him, and Peter's kind of following Jesus from a distance. And, and there's this servant girl that says, hey, I know you. Weren't you, aren't you one of his? A servant girl. And Peter says, nope, nope, not me, not me, not me. Strike one. And then, uh, and then there was, uh, just shortly after that, there's this, this guy that says, hey, wait a minute. I, you're one of them, you're one of them. And he, he said it the first time. I think the second time maybe it was a little bit easier. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you mess up once, messing up twice, sometimes feels a little, it's not as bad as the first time. Second time he says, no, it wasn't me. And the third time he's in this circle and somebody recognizes his accent. He has a Galilean accent. And during these days, you can tell where people are from based on their accent and he says something and another guy says hey hey aren't you and he says no no i'm not and just then the rooster crows just like jesus had said and in the gospel of luke it says that jesus turned and looked at him I don't know what, how that happened and where Jesus was in proximity, but he was close enough. He heard the rooster crow, and Jesus turned, and he looked at him. And Simon Peter locked eyes with Jesus, and Scripture says he wept bitterly. He just wept. And maybe he thought, you know what? I just blew it. I had a good thing. I totally messed up. I think those mess ups, what's hardest for us, I think, and maybe Simon Peter went through this, like he thought, you know what, I thought I was here. I thought I was here. I thought I was far, I thought I was strong enough. I thought I can, I thought I can, I, I thought I can go and I can go to blows with it. I thought I could do that. I thought I could overcome that. And I didn't. And then he's left with this, this feeling of I had my chance. I had my chance. I mean, remember that, I know, that old movie? I mean, I remember like Christopher Reeve was Superman. I remember that back in the, I think it was 70s or something, way back when. And he, he, Lois Lane dies and he goes up and goes, flies around the earth and the earth rotates backwards and all that stuff, which is totally unrealistic because we would all die for whiplash or something. But anyway, but he goes back in time to save Lois Lane. And I think there's times in when we might think, can I just go back in time and try that? Can I get a do-over? Can I get a do-over? So in the midst of the chaos, Simon Peter is left with, okay, I'm seeing my rabbi, the guy who I said I would always be with him and I'll never ever betray him. And now he's going to this cross and and now he, he died on this cross. Good Friday, right? He died. And Simon Peter must be going through all kinds of mixed emotions inside, you know, rethinking a lot of stuff about himself, about who he thought he was and, and all that stuff. And he's working through, working through those private things. And, and we can work through private things within our own heart and not let anybody know what we're working through. Right. We can do that. And Simon Peter is left. And I, I think, gosh, I think we've all been there before. Have you ever done something that you thought, why did I do that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever said something like your pastor? <laughs> I thought, why did I say that? I shouldn't have even missed out. Why did I say that? It was a weak moment. Or you made a decision and you thought, wow, that just, I, I can't believe I made that decision. I can't believe that. 
And then you say to yourself self stuff like, you know what, if I could just do it over again. And then you, you might feel like, well, that was my opportunity. And I'll never have that chance again. You know what I mean? Uh, that was my opportunity. I was in that relationship. I blew it. I'll never have that chance again. I was in that friendship. And I blew it. Things are different now. When we see each other, it's different now. The relationship has changed. So here's what I want you to hear. Um, you have a God who restores. And circumstances may have changed, but God is so good. He has the ability to restore you joy and peace. Your God still believes in you. Your God still loves you. You being here at church is evidence of it. You have breath in your lungs. God's not done with you. God has a purpose for you. God wants you to know his love and know his grace and know his mercy. And I think Simon Peter, you know, he's followed Jesus for quite some time, but I don't think he really knew the love of God. You can be a Christian, a follower of Christ, and not really be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. You hear that? And that's what we're looking at today. Simon Peter, um, this is what happens. And in John chapter 21, Jesus talks to him. And Jesus has met with the disciples twice. And, but this time, it's a little bit different. You know, it's kind of like when you have, when you have a said something, did something, and that other person, and you and that person, that relationship, you guys know it's different, and you don't bring it up, and they don't bring it up, and you guys hang out in the same room, but nobody talks about it, and you talk about the weather instead, or whatever, but you know this is, there's something here, and it needs to be talked about, but we're not talking about it. Check it out, John chapter 21, Jesus talks about it. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, so he's the resurrected Jesus at this point. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too. They said, interesting, Simon Peter, that was his first occupation. Simon Peter has... Um, uh, there's unresolved issues in his heart at this point. He has conflict within himself. And he does something that I think we do when we have, um, when, we're not, when we're unsettled, we might turn back to do something that we're familiar with. You know what, I'm just going to go play some video games. I'm just going to go veg out on YouTube or something. I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm just going to, I'm going to do something that's familiar. And that's what he does. It's what he does. Um, so verse three says, Simon Peter uh, said, I'm going fishing. We'll come to, they all said, so they went out in the boat and uh, they caught nothing all night. They caught nothing all night. Interesting, isn't it? At dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. You know, I think it was God's will for them to catch nothing. I think when you step away from God's purpose, um, God will make your results empty. And you'll find that it's not what you envisioned. And God just loves you. He's trying to get your attention. The, uh, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see, couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now look at the, look how, like, like Jesus knows how to get the attention of the disciples. Simon Peter had another situation like this. When he first met Jesus, he caught nothing. And Jesus said, throw your net on the side of the boat. He catches a whole bunch of fish. And Simon Peter was the guy who like falls to his knees and says, get away from me. I'm a sinner. Remember that? 
And now it's happening like all over again, post-resurrection. They're catching all this fish and they, and they couldn't haul it in because, of net, uh, because it, there were so many fish in it. And verse 7 says, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, <clears throat> It's interesting, John always wants to make that point that Jesus loved John. I mean, he always wants to make that point. <laughs> Uh, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. So the guy just jumps out of the boat and full out starts like swimming, like, like, I don't know, just swimming, freestyle swimming, just going. The other's stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread, fish tacos. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard. Remember, he jumped out of the boat, swam over there, so now he's going back to the boat, and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now this is a picture of a new life. When you look at the early relationship, the early time when, when the disciples pulled up a whole bunch of fish, the nets were breaking. This time, the nets were not. God is so purposeful. He's showing them this is a new life. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 13 says, Then, then uh, Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Now here it comes. This is, you know, Jesus is about to take care of this unresolved. He's about to take care of the tension in the room. Simon, son of John, do you, do you what church? Do you love me more than these? We're not going to drill down into this, but that word love means agape. It's a sacrificial, unconditional love. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I what? So in the original Greek, he doesn't say agape love. He says phileo love. So Jesus says, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. That's a brotherly love. And Jesus repeated. Oh, then he says, then feed my, feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me? That's agape again. Yes, Lord, phileo said, <laughs> Peter said, you know I, that's phileo, I love you, phileo you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, this time Jesus says, do you phileo me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It's so cool. In this passage, you see Jesus. It's like he's reaffirming. He's telling Peter, you're still my man. I haven't given up on you. Plan A, we'll, we'll, we'll go forward with plan A. You're still my man. You're still my man. And, he, and what Jesus does is really interesting because he starts off with this, do you, do you love me sacrificially? And, and, and Peter responds, I love you like a brother. Do you love me sacrificially? I love you like a brother. But the third time Jesus says, do you love me like a brother? And he says, yeah, I love you like a brother. So Jesus like stoops down to Peter's level to bring him up and says, okay, I know this is where you're at right now. I know this is where you're at. And Peter sees himself different because you got to remember, this is a guy who said, you know, I, I'll always be there for you, Jesus. You can count on me. I'm just, I'm, I'm always there. I mean, give me a sword. I'll cut off the ear. I mean, this is a guy who, that was him. But now he has a new awareness about who he is. He sees his weakness. He knows I can fall. I can fall with the right circumstances. I can make a mistake. And we can all identify with that, guys. Under the right circumstances, we can all mess up, right? 
under the right circumstances, if you're running with the wrong crowd, if it's the wrong time of night, if, if you feel stress, if you have stress in your life and pressure and all that stuff, there's a breaking point. And Peter just came to grips with his breaking point, And now he can't even muster it up inside of him to say, yeah, I, I got to pay you back. No, he keeps saying, no, 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 Jesus. This is where I'm at right here. This is the best I can do. And you know what Jesus does? He's like, I'll meet you right here and we'll work together. It's going to be all right. That's what Peter, that's what Jesus does with Peter. Aren't you grateful we have a Savior who doesn't give up? Aren't you grateful? Turn to the person next to you and just tell them God has not given up on you. Can you do that? Just say God has not given up on you. As I look at this passage, I thought, wow. So Simon Peter doesn't, doesn't understand. First of all, he's having a hard time forgiving himself. Um, you know, when we get hurt, and, and it's just life, right, guys? How many of us have been hurt? We've all been hurt by it. Maybe it was a spouse, a friend, a coworker, a boss, a pastor, uh, whatever. Um, you, we've all been hurt, and it hurt. I mean, it's always personal when we get hurt, right? So it always is. But uh, Simon, I think sometimes the most difficult person to forgive is ourselves. Sometimes. It's just hard for us to forgive ourselves. And then we start saying stuff like, you know, bad things are happening to me. Because I made this decision or, you know, my life looks like this because, you know, I did this and I got like this bad karma. I got this cloud over me now because I made this decision or whatever. And, and now, um, I think that was eggs from this morning. <laughs> it's all good. Just as good going down the second time. Hey, so what is forgiveness? <clears throat> What's forgiveness? Forgiveness is an intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. That's what forgiveness is. That's one definition. An intentional decision to let go. It's interesting that resentment and anger are part of that. You know, when you have to forgive someone. Let me give you another uh, definition. Forgiveness is letting go of resentment and giving up any claim to be compensated for the hurt or loss we have suffered. It's another good definition. And forgiveness can be, it can be tough. Forgiving yourself. We can have a bad self-perception of ourselves because we feel like, you know, we've messed up too many times. And you just say, you know what, I'm never going to be that guy. I'm never going to be that person. And you just have a negative, you can have a negative perception of yourself. I have a list that I, 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 I uh, in, on my phone of people that I call that um, don't come to church regularly, and I, I know them. These are men. And uh, every Christmas, every Easter, every big event, I send them a text. And, and a lot of times I send texts other times too, just to see how they're doing. But I especially want to invite them. And I, I, I invited this one, one, one guy and, and his family and I, I, I sent it to him and I said, man, brother, it'd be great to see you on, you know, on Easter. And, and he showed up, he showed up, which is way cool. He showed up and, and I love the guy. He knows I love him to death. And, and we have that kind of relationship. I could say just about anything to him and he knows why I love him. But um, he put his, his arm around me and he just said, Hey, pastor, thank you for not giving up on me. That's what he said to me. Thank you for not giving up on me. And I, I, I thought, man, I think we could all identify with that, right? There's times when we want to give up on ourselves, and there's just something good when someone says, I'm with you. I'll walk through it with you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Forgiving others, forgiving others can be tough, too. Especially when you don't have, let's say, um, I mean, forgiving others can be a, like a seven-day-a-week, 365-day challenge. Especially when you don't have the, the gift of distance. And you see them, like, every day at work or something. <laughs> you see them at work or something, you know what I mean? Or, or they live, you know, right, right down the street, or they live, you know, they're, they're, you go to school with them, and they're sitting right over there, or, some, or they're on the same team, or whatever. And, and, or you see them every Thanksgiving, or whatever it is. Sometimes, I mean, forgiveness can, can be work. It's not one of those things where, like, okay, I'm going to forgive, I've done, I'm done, and I'm, okay, moving on kind of thing. Sometimes it's just work, 
It's just work. Um, you might think, well, how do I know if I need to forgive someone? Here's a, here's a way you can know. If you're in the room and they show up in that room with you and your mood changes, <laughs> that's a good sign you might need to forgive. They show up in the room, in the same room with you, and there's something inside of you that just does this, and your attitude changes. You know what I'm saying? And maybe there's some thoughts. That's a sign you might need to, you might need to forgive. I, I did a, a study on unforgiveness, and, and this may be, not be new information for you, but did you know unforgiveness can affect your physical and mental health? Um, check it out. Um, Johns Hopkins study said this, unforgiveness is linked to higher incidences of stress, heart disease, high blood pressure, lowered immune response, anxiety, depression, and other health issues. Unforgiveness. In fact, neurologists looked at the brain they did, uh, they, they looked at the brain. They did a functional magnetic resonance imaging. They actually saw the brain and they saw significant real time changes that occur when we choose to forgive. The brain actually operated differently. The network connections were different. The brain was actually changing in real time as that person chose to forgive. Isn't that crazy? Like physically, the brain was operating differently. And here's the uh, problem with, with the well, brain is a wonderful thing, but here's the problem with the brain sometimes. The brain doesn't always know what's real and what's imagined. So if you just like have a rerun in your life. The other day I, I, I went to go on a, on a, I went on my run and while I was running, I had a thought about someone that hurt me in the past. And all of a sudden I felt this like stress inside of me. And it was, my brain was thinking it was happening in real time, even though it happened, you know, years ago, whatever it was, but my brain was thinking, acting like it was happening right now. And we have to be really careful about what we think about, what we meditate on. We have to be really, really careful about that. Someone else said, living in a chronic state of tension disables your body's repair mechanisms, increasing inflammation and the stress hormone cortisol in the body. Check this out. Forgiveness engages the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps your immune system function more efficiently and makes room for feel-good hormones like serotonin and oxytocin when you choose to forgive. Isn't that crazy? So I thought about this and I thought, you know what? The Bible, we look at it as, okay, this is, you know, miraculously, this is God's word, 66 books. And you have these authors and they all point to Jesus. And we look at it and we typically think like, this is a um, spiritual help. This is faith. You know, that's what we think about. But have you ever looked at the Bible and thought, this is like a, a medical handbook to how to have a healthy life? I mean, like, like actually forgiving someone will be good for your health. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, God is so good. And he's like, okay, if you, if you just cast your worries, cast your cares on me, you're going to be healthier. It'll help you out in all those other areas, your blood pressure and stress and heart disease and immune system and all that kind of stuff. Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I've pleaded in your prayer, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So Simon, Jesus tells Simon Peter this, and I think Simon Peter got this perspective because later on, when you read Peter's letters in first Peter and second Peter, it, he, Peter said this, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's like Peter has a new perspective of like, no, what Jesus said it's legit. It's true. There is a devil. And I would think, you know what? If I were the devil, I would keep you full of anger. If I were the devil, I would keep you full of resentment. I'd keep you full of bitterness and unforgiveness because that would distract you from what God is doing right in front of you. It would distract you from what God wants to do. And what God is doing. Someone who has 
resentment and bitterness and anger, all those things. And Jesus makes it clear this is a spiritual issue. They're like a prisoner. You know that old phrase that if you choose not to forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and expecting them to die. There's just so much truth to that. And you can be a prisoner of your own resentment and bitterness and even your unwillingness to forgive yourself. People who choose not to forgive themselves, they're negative people. They're not happy. They're angry. And they want other people to be angry with them. And when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the resurrection and everything around it, you see the grace of God. You see it over and over and over. I mean, I think about Jesus when he's going to the cross. And I mean, one of the famous words he says is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Wow. Imagine saying that to the person who hurt you. They may not even know they hurt you, and they may not even be thinking about it, but you're living with it. And saying, you know what? Forgive them. They don't know what they did to me. Forgive them. I think about the cross when there's, a, there's like a convict on the other side of the cross, and Jesus turns to him and says, today you'll be, me in par- you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and there's nails in his hands and his feet, Jesus is extending grace. And again, you see it now in John chapter 21. Jesus is extending grace to Simon Peter. And over and over, he's saying, no, 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 no. This is what it looks like to be loved. This is what it looks. This is what the love of God looks like. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Forgiveness is a spiritual issue. And incidentally, you can forgive someone. And because he forgives someone doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be in your life every single day or something like that. It's choosing to let go of something. That person who hurt me years ago, that per- I don't, whatever, it, it, you can say, I'm not going to let that arrest me anymore. I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to be a prisoner to that anymore. Ephesians chapter 3, I think here's a good picture of the love of Jesus. Paul the Apostle says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I shared that last weekend. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being, here it is, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that phrase right there, being rooted and established in love. I think that's, Jesus is trying to help us understand what this looks like. I, I want to show you this picture because I think about roots. And I think this is a, this is a picture of it. And, and, and Jesus wants you, your roots, to be tangled up with his roots. He wants you, the closer you get to Jesus... The more you get to know Jesus, the greater capacity you have to love and forgive. Because you run into the love, the unconditional love of God, the agape love. You run into that love and you're like, oh my goodness, he's forgiven me for my sins. You don't know where I've come from. (laughs) You don't know how far he's brought me. And he loves me so much. And you have a genuine compassion for the person who didn't know better at the time. For the person who hurts you, doesn't mean you guys have to be besties or anything like that, but you can look at them and say, I just pray they turn to Jesus. I pray that they get right. And, and this idea of roots is so important. I, I, was, I was pulling out some um, stakes. Uh, you know how you, when you plant a tree, you put a couple of stakes and tie little ropes or whatever? Well, there was this tree that I, I was working in the backyard, and, and um, the, these stakes, uh, this was not at my house, it was another house. But anyway, the, the stakes were at this tree uh, way too long. Like the tree's full grown, and the stakes were still in there. So someone was just like lazy. They just didn't pull out the stakes, and they just stayed there forever. But as I was trying to pull out the stakes, guys, I'm not kidding you. One stake took me like two hours to pull out. I had like, I was moving it. I had sledgehammers. I was just, because the roots were all wrapped around the stake. And it was, I, was, I literally had to, I had an ax because I had to chop up some of the roots because the, the roots had grown over the stake. And I thought about that. And I thought that's a picture of how we need to be so rooted in Jesus 
and his love. That if you were to pull us up, you'd pull up Jesus as well. You know what I'm saying? That's freeing. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thought about that. I thought, boy, that's where I've got to be. That's where I've got to stay. I've got to be there. I've got to be there. It's hard. I remember my dad, my biological dad, left me when I was five years old. And it was just a whole story. But I met him again when I was like 21, 22 years old at a restaurant. And I felt like I was talking to my old kindergartner teacher or something. It was just weird. But there was things in my heart. I wanted him to know Jesus. Our relationship had changed. And it was, you know, we, we didn't, you know, see each other every day or anything like that. It, just, it wasn't that kind of like, I don't know romance movie or something like that, but it was, uh, but I, I, I want him to know Jesus. We'd message each other every once in a while, and, and I, I, he was meeting with a, a priest on a regular basis, which I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for that. I hope, he, I hope, he, I hope he's in heaven. I hope he's in heaven. I, as, I, as I looked at this, Colossians chapter 2 talks about roots. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And this phrase, having been firmly rooted. And that's really the challenge. As you walk with God, you're making a decision of, okay, I, I've seen what bad love looks like. I've seen what unloyal love looks like. I've seen, I know what it feels like to be stabbed in the back. I know what it feels like to be abandoned. I know what it feels like to be talked about. I know what it feels like to be betrayed. But I'm going to deepen my roots into the love of Jesus. Because that's pure love. And Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He'll never let you down. He'll always take care of you. And that's really our journey, is deepening our roots into the love of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about another kind of root. It says this, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. That's really strong, really strong words. But check it out, verse 15 says, look after each other so that... None of you fails to receive the grace of God. That means it's possible to fail to receive the grace of God. How is it? Watch out. Say watch out with me, guys. Say watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Corrupting many. Check that out. It's like you got to pull the weeds out of your yard. If you don't, it's just going to get worse. I got a weed coming up from my concrete, and I'm just wishing it would go away, but it doesn't go away. It just gets bigger. <laughs> I like, pull it out, and, I like the, and I know it's going to grow back unless I spray it. You know, it's just like that. And you got to have that same kind of attention on your heart. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying you got to be careful because there's certain things in your heart. There's this poisonous root of bitterness anger and resentment and and it starts off with hurt and pain and all that stuff that and you might think it's no big deal you might think it's i can live with this bitterness in my heart i can shut that person out of my life or i could ignore them or i could be angry i can live with anger and it's not going to affect me but bitter roots produce bitter fruit Bitter roots will produce bitter fruit. And right now, people may not see it, but if you let that bitter root just sit inside of your heart, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. So you got to let Jesus do some surgery. Let God do some surgery and say, okay, God, here it is. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. If you see anything in my heart that's not pleasing, just do whatever you want. Because it's from the heart flows everything flows everything and and the writer is saying you better be careful you better be careful I was talking to someone who uh, this dude uh, I love him to death and and I, I shared before with you his brother would always come to church and and the guy was in his 20s and and uh, 
I, I would see him every once in a while and, and one day he called me and he said, hey pastor, can I meet you at Chipotle? And he went to Chipotle and he told me in one night, I lost my girlfriend and I lost my best friend. My girlfriend hooked up with my best friend in one night and I lost them both. And he was broken. He was broken. And he said, I need to turn to God. That's what he said. I need God. So right there at Chipotle, I prayed a prayer with him and he turned back to Jesus right there at Chipotle. Chipotle Church. That's what we did right there. Right there at Chipotle. And yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But then that, that wasn't the end of it. He still had to work through that, right? When you go to church, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to work, don't have to work through that stuff. But we all have experiences where we're like, I've got to forgive. I've got to forgive that school. I've got to forgive that coworker. I've got to forgive that family member. You let God have his way in your heart. Let him have his way. Check this out. Forgiveness is about evicting hate and anger from your heart what it is it's like saying you know what you're not going to be living in here anymore you're out of here effective immediately you're gone there's no 30-day notice you're gone right now I'm not going to let you live in my heart anymore I'm not going to let that I'm not going to let it I'm not going to I don't want to play that rerun anymore I'm going to take it off my playlist I don't want that song I'm going to be set free Sometimes it might be something that will trigger those bad memories. Sometimes it might be a song. I had a, someone, I was working with a brother, they're all, all men are brothers in my own mind, but, uh, but his wife had an affair. Had an affair with someone on Facebook and someone in an old relationship and, and we're driving together and he, we're driving and he looks at this hotel on, on 120th and he said, hey pastor, that's where my wife slept with that guy right there. And every time he drove on 120th, he saw that hotel. He had that memory. He had that memory. Well, the only one, the only one that can help you is Jesus. He is the only one. You can try to like muster up yourself and say, okay, I'm gonna get over it. No, I'm over it, I'm not. But you know what? It's spiritual. And if it's in your heart, it's in your heart. You need Jesus to do some surgery and, and take that out of your heart. Then you're able to be in the same room. Trust may be different, I get that. Relationship may be different, I get that. You gotta be wise, I get all that. But your heart is different. You're no longer gonna be a slave. Is he any time you've been hurt and, and someone has hurt you, you can become, they could be, you can become a slave to them and they're not even in the room. You're a slave to that hurt. You're a slave to that pain. They may not even, they might even, they may not even know it. They may not even know it. I gotta, I gotta show you this picture. I, I, uh, I ran across this. Uh, this was in, in Paris. You go to Notre Dame. The picture of Simon Peter, and here's a picture of him right here. And I love this picture right here because this dude looks so different from the one who denied Christ, doesn't he? I mean, this is, this is Pentecost Peter. This is when he stands up and he preaches this lights out message and like 3,000 people come to know Jesus and the church is born. Like this is the same guy that was like, I can't agape, I can only phileo. And this is the same guy who was like, I don't know if I'm that guy anymore. I don't know. But he's walked with Jesus and he's full of the Holy Spirit and God has worked in his heart. And now he preaches this lights out message and God uses him for the glory of God. And that's a message for us guys. Don't let the devil hold you down. Don't let the devil hold your heart. Don't let the devil keep poisonous roots in your heart. Don't kick out bitter. Say, I don't need bitterness. I don't need any of these things. I don't need anger. Anger, you're out of here. I don't need jealousy. You're out of here. You know what I mean? You just have that passion and make it declare war on anything in your heart that can keep you from knowing God and keep you from going forward. See, you can't go forward if you're holding back. If you can't go forward in the future, if you're holding something from the past, you got to be able to say, okay, I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to trust God with that. God knows the hurt and God knows the pain and God will make things right. And I'm going to go forward. I'm going to let God have his way in my heart because I belong to Jesus and he is my Lord and Savior.
and I'm moving forward, and I don't care what anyone says. I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. You know what I'm saying? And God will help you with that. I think it's so cool that Simon Peter, when he starts writing off his letters, he says this, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Those are Simon Peter's words. Isn't that cool? I think Simon Peter got it. I think he saw his weakest moment and he said, I'm not gonna let that weakest moment define me. I'm not gonna let that bad night define who I am. I'm not gonna let that weak moment determine my future. I'm not gonna be that, I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus. And now he understands, you know what? Everybody needs grace. Everybody needs peace. And may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Isn't that so good? That's so good. I want to give you an opportunity, guys, to turn to Jesus right where you're at. I'm going to, I want to pray for you. If you're not a Christian, this is a time right here where you can become a Christian. And I also want to say a prayer for, for those of you who've been hurt. All of us, right? For those of you who might have a poisonous, bitter root inside of you. I want to just pray for you. I want to, I want to encourage you. Let God do some surgery inside of you, right? Let's pray. Um, God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful you didn't give up on Peter. Thank you for that. Right now, if you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to become a Christian right now. I want to know your love, God. So take over my life, and I choose to walk with you. Teach me how to walk with you, Jesus. Give me a craving for your word, and put your Holy Spirit inside of me, and do a work inside of me. Others of you might need to say this, God, today, it's a new day, and in you, Christ, I want to say this, I want to forgive myself because you have forgiven me. I want to let go right now. Let go of that stuff inside of me that has held me a prisoner. And also, Jesus, with your power, I want to say, Father, forgive them for they know not know what they do. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. I need a lot of your grace. I need a lot of your peace. I need a lot of your strength, Lord. I can't do this without you. But today, I want you to clean my heart from resentment and anger and bitterness and hurt. I want you to strip it out, Lord. Just take it out. Just pull it out, Lord. And instead, I want my roots to be tangled up with your love, Jesus. I want to know how wide and high and deep and long is the love of Jesus in my life. Thank you for your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen.